Everybody, welcome into another episode of the PHNX Suns podcast. I'm Lindsay. That's Saul. That's Espo. And guys, it is officially my Friday before I leave you to your own devices. Well, congratulations! When the there, cat's Lindsay. away, the mics will play, <laughs> as they say. So this is the last day I can promise you we'll even remotely be on the rails for the next week and some change. Hold on. Hey, I can I can navigate this ship. I just nobody fine. said Thank you, you can't. It's just you like chaos. Well, no, look, I do very well outside of the damn ad reads, and I only <laughs> do that poorly to piss Max off. I so. mean, to be fair, I'm questionable most of the <laughs> That's time fair. too, so. especially yesterday. Uh, I do have a joke <laughs> for you guys off the top of the show. Oh, Are you ready for this? Yes. I heard this last night, and it made me giggle. Why do monsters not eat ghosts? Why? Because they taste like sheep. <laughs> Thank you. I got one Can clap you go in on the studio. Now? Emma's laughing. Go. I got two oh laughs God. out of this in the PHNX studio, so I count that as a win. You guys really did think that was cute? No. That was bad. That was adorable. Now Gross. imagine it coming out of like a seven-year-old's mouth because they're not allowed to say the bad words, but then it's like not technically a bad word. Super cute. You gotta have cool kids like mine who can say the bad words. I mean, so. fine, whatever. You guys are lame. It's supposed to be like a fun Friday because it's my Friday. Just lean into the funness. Why not? Who is this woman and what have we done? <laughs> what has she done with Lindsay? This is like senioritis, Lindsay. It really is. It really is. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, let's talk Suns basketball. So, with the news around the Arizona Cardinals today, all the movement, but specifically. <laughs> Moving on from Chaos. Isaiah Simmons, let's have a debate. Who do you guys think, or which year do you guys think was the biggest draft bust in NBA or Suns history? Or which year? You well, could go play player. person or year, Ooh, whichever I'm going one you players, want. So. I have some years, but I'll give you the specific players within okay. them. You guys can go first. I have two players. My first, 1986, the sixth pick overall, William Bedford, was supposed to be a star. Everybody thought the Suns had gotten a steal in the draft, and it turned out he had a drug addiction, lasted six years in the league, averaged four points and 2.4 rebounds per game. That was supposed to be when the Suns kind of turned the corner and made their their next best run, and instead it was the start of the cocaine era and the scandals for the Suns. So that's my number one. Uh, and number two for a different reason uh, Earl Clark, 20, uh, 2009, pick 14. The Suns didn't select point guards Ty Lawson or Jeff Teague uh, in, in that, uh, with that pick because they thought they had traded for Steph Curry. That was the year that they thought the deal was done for Steph. They thought they were sending Amari some draft capital. They were getting Steph back. Instead, that falls through by the next morning, and they're left with Earl freaking Clark that they tried to say, well, he'll help us guard Dirk and KD. And instead, he didn't do shit. So. Ooh, okay. Well, uh, for me, it was exactly what Triple B is saying, the Chris Bender draft. I did, that so was that just, was the 2016. That was just awful. That Tyler was awful. Tyler Ulis was also in that one. On, <laughs> on multiple different levels. At least Tyler Ulis gave you a glimpse here and there. And it was the 34th pick, so yeah, it wasn't so like Yeah, so it's like ass. whatever. But Chris and Bender, I mean, you talk about a double whammy. That was terrible. Awful. Only rivaled by the very next season, but I won't even get to that. Hey, you leave Bender Island alone. Bender was terrible. Um, yeah. I remember. Can I give you a little yeah, quick story? For sure. So my first week... At uh, actually, no, it was the first uh, season for Suns when I was at Fox Sports Arizona. You know, I was running their social and I went to the game. They were playing the Kings, it was preseason. And Dragon Bender came into the game and had a four minute stretch. And in that four minute stretch, he threw the ball out of bounds twice, like over people's heads, airballed two jump shots, and dribbled the ball off his foot. And I tweeted out from the Fox Sports Arizona account uh -oh. that was possibly the worst four minutes of basketball I've ever seen in my life. And then I got scolded for it yeah, because <laughs> the team was not happy that the, the account tweeted that out. But it was. It was legitimately awful. I'm sorry, but 
the next summer league, we got Point Bender. And if you did not enjoy Point Bender, you were correct. I was on a bender after that. So I would, I think, at least from like recent history, I think 2016 and 2017 were probably the biggest misses. Um, You could debate it at the time that a lot of people were hype on some of these guys, but hindsight, of course, is 2020. So the one you're talking about in 2016 with Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. Um, the, the biggest like misses, I think you could say there, um, even though it might still be considered high, like at the time, it's just, again, hindsight, you had DeMontis Sabonis who went behind those guys. You had Pascal Siakam, DeJounte Murray as well. And they all went later in the draft again, hindsight. Okay. We're not pretending like we knew exactly what some of those guys were going to be throughout their careers. But then in 2017, you had the Josh Jackson at number four, Davon Reed at 32, and Alec Peters at 54. So I, the only reason why I would give the Suns an out for 2017 mm-hmm. is because if Tatum doesn't get drafted by the Celtics, then he would have come to Phoenix. No, but the problem is the few days before, the Suns thought they were playing che- checkers while the Celtics were playing – or Suns thought they were playing chess while the Celtics were playing checkers because reportedly they finagled a way to keep Josh Jackson from traveling to Boston for his draft workout, which thus made the Celtics refuse to draft Josh Jackson and take Tatum instead. Mm. So they made their own bed, and they slept in it. And it was it, – that was awful in a lot of ways okay. just because – yeah, well, I mean, obviously Tatum's sitting there, but also – they went out of their way to screw themselves on that, which was truly impressive how you did that. And I have an affinity for Ryan McDonough, but that was freaking bad. And then they also sacrificed De'Aaron Fox, who was right. on the board right there. So, And then thus leading to an epic failure of point guards to come. And that preceded him. Yeah, you missed out on De'Aaron, or we missed out on De'Aaron Fox. And then also within that draft, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, John Collins, Jared Allen, and OG Ananobi. And then... Later in the draft, um, because we talked about Davon Reed at 32 and Alec Peters at 54, Dylan Brooks and Thomas Bryant were in the early 40s. So technically could have had them as well. But again, hindsight is 2020. Then I think this one is always one that I enjoy bringing up because it blows my mind every single time that I hear about it. But in 2012, Lance Blanks was the GM passing up on Kawhi Leonard because he seemed nervous and he sweated too much. Yeah. Remember who they selected? Yeah. Marky Morris. Really? Really? We could have had Kawhi in my time there. Okay. Okay. No, I get where you're going to go, but still Markeith Morris. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I know we all hate Markeith Morris, but at least he's been a suitable NBA player this, this entire time. This is true. Like he's been an asset to a lot of teams, and an just ass. not the Suns. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you hate him or love him. At least he's made a career of it. The where the fuck is Bender? Where is Marquise Chris right now? You know what I mean? Like those guys, Josh Jackson. Like those guys aren't even in the league anymore. I think Josh Jackson is still is right. Is he? I, I know he's sworn. facing some legal trouble. So. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah, I. I thought he was. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't. Look, the Markeith Morris thing, sure. And you go, okay, Kawhi, he winds up with Pop. If he winds up here in the in the cluster F that was the Suns coaching True. staff, does he ever become no. become yeah, no. the claw? Or is he just some dude that went to San Diego State that was okay? I mean, big hands. Yeah. I don't know. Do you really think he wouldn't have been able to figure it out? I mean, look at you could ask the same thing about Devin back in the day, too. He came into what was a complete shit Devin, show. Devin is a little different, though. But you though. don't think Kawhi has a little bit of that in him, too, to be able to try and figure it out? It was I, such a it was such a development program in San Antonio that it, it, the Suns would have never been able to give him that. So I don't – he might have been able to figure it out. He's, he's a great player for a reason. But, man, like – Devin had an elite – like a really elite skill set coming in. Everybody said – you know, he could be the next Clay Thompson because of the way he shoots the ball. So people expected at least that out of him. I think he always, I don't think they were going to be able to screw that up. But when you look at these draft picks, right, the ones we've just gone through, how much of that was player development? They didn't have a good player development system. They didn't have the way to support these young guys for a 10 year period. So, you know, Devin Booker's the one out of all those guys that were drafted that made it through uh, and, like, 
most of them didn't even have an NBA career. Mm-hmm. He's he's the w- exception to the rule uh, in all that. I feel like you bring a Kawhi into this system, he's probably just another guy uh, in here. Pop, I don't think Pop gets enough credit for how he can develop guys and turn guys into, you know, these kids coming in from college into the into the men that they wind up dominating. I mean, even KBD, look at him. Look at his growth under Pop. Like, I think a lot has to do with, with Pop's ability there, and obviously the Suns didn't have anything near that. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I do think that was um, – because all of these guys that we talked about were really nice in their own ways. They had good personalities, mm-hmm. all the things, but – I don't think that they had the right system around them to help them grow up in the NBA. Like, I don't think people realize how hard that is when you come in at like 18, 19, 20 years old and you're handed a boatload of money and a boatload of responsibility. If you don't have the right people around you and that support system, it is really easy to take the wrong path, both basketball wise and personal wise, like because you come from being one of the best that has always been. Like your whole life, you grow up. No matter what level you're playing at, you've always been at the top. And then you get in the NBA and you're like, okay, I'm not very good anymore. Like, what is this life? Yeah. So that's a lot to navigate. Well, And that's why Devin was so good. He came in and carried himself like he was a veteran, had, had a support system that included his father who had been through the league, had seen it, like... Uh, and it's very close uh, with uh, with a lot of good people in his family. Like, so I think that's part of it as well. You're right. It's it's how do you, it, there's so many things that go into it, and if you don't build the right environment around people, uh, they, it it leads to failure a lot of times. I would say you know with the with these okay, so Leo Barrientos, and I'm just going to ask you guys this: Jalen Smith over Bain and Halliburton, and then also t- uh, Tyrese Maxey. Um, okay. So my question to you guys is, I I know I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and we're always like, oh well, they could have had Kawhi or they could have had these guys, right? But in that specific draft, just about everybody was, was like surprised. Halliburton, Halliburton. Yeah. We need a point guard, Halliburton, mm-hmm. Halliburton. Mm-hmm. And then we went with Jalen Smith, who just about everybody didn't know everybody anything said, about. What? Yeah. The only person that knew anything about Jalen Smith was Casey, Casey, Casey Jacobson. Jill. That's he it. Our ass yeah, he sure did. And so like I. I think when you're talking about a known that that was kind of the common thread through the whole fan base, that might have been the the most a glaring miss because yeah. everybody was was looking for Halliburton shit. Every damn mock draft basically had Boehner Halliburton as the one that we were going to pick, and then they threw in this curveball with Jalen Smith, who was just not it. Do you feel like James Jones gets too much of a pass for that? At times, well, do we, I mean, do we not? Because we're really, really hard on like Ryan McDonough, like really yeah. hard. Granted, it was a lot longer of a period of time where we sucked, and Jalen Smith didn't really seem to make a huge difference as far as like where we were in that moment. But do, he, do we give him a little bit of a pass for that he sometimes? Had Cam Johnson the year before that worked out that he had made moves that made this team better. I think that's why you don't see the vitriol because it's kind of for like that. a one off it was thing. masked by Chris Paul. Yeah. Okay. He got Chris Paul that same off season. So Yeah, they go to they go to the final. Like if they had flamed out and they were a a mid team, that would be pointed to constantly. But when you go to the finals, you win sixty four games, you added Chris Paul, uh, you know, then you eventually add KD. It's it's real easy to kind of gloss over Oh, yeah, well, Jalen Smith, swing and a miss. Yeah, and I guess when you're like, look at all this other stuff that he has brought to the table, it's kind of like, all right, we'll give you. You you, you dropped a ball one time. It's okay. Brian in the chest said, what about DA over Luca? Wasn't that obvious too? No, it wasn't. No. No. The fan base was definitely split 50-50 on that one. So were Um, NBA scouts. Yeah. No, nobody could, nobody really, I mean. Igor wasn't. No, Igor wasn't, but Igor was his homie. So, like. It made sense uh, again, but then Sarver was you a U of A guy, and like to have the center, which this franchise has never had. Like, if you put all the factors, if the Suns had legendary centers in their existence, Damn. and then they might not have taken DA because they didn't feel the need to. But because they that was always such a glaring miss for this franchise, 
you kind of can put two and two together and understand why. And listen, DA that we know right now was not the DA that you were looking at at U of A. Yeah. Like he was crazy, crazy athletic and good and and strong and assertive down at U of A. Gets here and things have kind of changed a little bit, but um, but I don't think I think it's definitely fifty. Hell, amongst us, it was fifty fifty with Da and Luca. You know, like I remember having arguments with Kellen Olson and and, and Gerald about about Da versus Luca, and um, you know, hey, they were right. They they were right. <laughs> Can I tell a little story time? For now, yeah. Yeah, but look at how much Luca and Book don't like each other, and they're not even on the same team. Yeah, they're the fight. You could, if you want to, if you want to play that game, you could absolutely bring that back up into the conversation. They literally feel like they're the biggest enemies right now, and they're not even on the same team. Imagine the chaos that could have happened if they were. How much drama? But again, we're just playing the game because it also could have worked out. You never know. How many times has Luca been to the finals? How many times has DA been to the finals? That's the only thing you can point to. <laughs> story time. Can I tell you a little yeah. story about that particular draft? So they're going through the po- process trying to figure out who they're going to pick. Robert Sarver decides he's going to go watch Luca. Doesn't bring, doesn't bring uh, McDonough. or anything? He brings James Jones to go look. McDonough's still in that seat. McDonough's going to make the call. He never gets to see Luca in that situation. They went over the Eurobasket final or something, or one of one of the Eurobasket games, uh, and so that skews the whole process too. Because mm-hmm. there's this whole infight, weird dynamic of who's in charge, who's calling the shots, who's making the choices, and that's the same draft where they were going to trade up to take. Shea Gilders Alexander uh, and Sarver vetoed the deal. Right. So so there's all sorts of things in <laughs> so that draft. So you never heard this before? No, yeah. no this yeah. is the first time I've heard yeah. this. Oh, so no. Sarver, they have the deal done <laughs> to get Shea Gilders Alexander. Yeah. And Sarver says, no, we're not doing it. Granted, the deal they make is for McHale. McHale yeah. So you can you can play revisionist wait, wait, so, history, so, but there's so, no doubt Shea Gilders Alexander was the better pick. So, so so you would have had Da and Shea in the uh, same with well, along with Book. <laughs> Fucking Bobby Sarves. Yeah. So so there's all sorts, and I'm sure in all these drafts, there's all sorts of these kind of stories behind See, the scenes. And that's why I will forever not fully point any fingers at Ryan McDonough. Like regardless of how you feel about him, I will never put a hundred percent of the blame on his shoulders because you cannot for certain say what was going on in that room still, with all the rumors that we have heard over the years. I refuse to believe that all of this is solely on his shoulders. One more detail on that, right? Ooh. He's on the phone with Oklahoma city, Sam Presti. And they're, they're, finalizing they they think they're finalizing it and sarver's behind him screaming so much so that sam presti can hear him on the phone that's how bad that shit was <sighs> wow that's just did that just make you feel some that's type just of like way sad like i'm glad things have worked out for us now but hell like oh man mm-hmm. that's just i i i forever will say this and like um i very much would love to get Ryan McDonough on, on this show. Like I, I'm tried. not, I'm not, I'm not, I, you know, I like, I'm not, I don't want to put anybody in any compromising positions, but I just feel like at some point, Ryan McDonough, Ryan right here, <laughs> you got to come on this show, man. Spill we need tea. to know the T there's nothing to hide from anymore. That guy's gone. Let's go. I come on it. to the show. I'm going to say, I this get it show. though. <laughs> I've kind of been a conduit. I think you've heard most of the stories. (laughs) And I understand why he wouldn't want to either, because I feel like when it comes down, like there, you know how there are certain people that no matter what, somebody is always going to find a way to spin it, to make it. You're the bad guy. I feel like when it comes to the sons and Ryan McDonough, that is one of those situations that no matter what he shares or how it's shared or who verifies or backs it up, it's never going to make a difference. I don't think, at least for a good portion of people that it's like, well, too bad. You were the reason that this, so you're going to take the blame. You're going to be the fall guy, no matter what. And ironically, that's the season they go in two and three games in, he gets fired. Or I think it was in preseason. No, they didn't even get to the season. And he got fired. Three games into the preseason, he gets fired. 
because he didn't have a point guard. Well, he had a plan for a point guard. You just kind of destroyed it. That's so, crazy. Anyways. Um, if that just made your anxiety levels rise a little bit, highly recommend our friends over at Wink. Wink is a seltzer with just a wink of THC. So you'll just get a little wink high. It's the perfect drink because it's refreshing and it helps just calm you down a little bit. Um, just because I only read half of that joke, so it didn't make sense. But the actual joke wink is how high. high will you get? <laughs> Just a wink, but I only read half of it, so it was my bad. Um, oh, but it's, it's balanced. It was still better than that first joke you told us. So. It's kind of like not true. That first joke was great. It's, it, well, it's kind of like an Emma wink. Have you ever seen a, a wink, uh, Emma do a wink? No, it's not very good. What is it? It's Emma? like it's like it's like a no, little bit like. Is Emma like? Yeah, Match? it's like kind of like half seizure, <laughs> half blinking kind of thing going on. Oh, no. Petey and I were wearing the exact same wink red T-shirts, and Max took a video and he was like, "Can you guys wink for us?" And I was like. Okay, I'll go grab a wink. No, he wanted us to wink, yeah. and I can't wink. Oh no! I don't know how. My eyes don't work like that. <laughs> Poor thing. Uh, you don't have to wink in order to be able to enjoy wink. It is balanced. It is light. It is social, bubbly enough to let you work the room, uh, but keep your wits about you. And they are available in either two point five milligram or five milligram cans. And you can find wink right here in Arizona. Look for Wink at all Sunday Goods dispensaries in the Valley and Botanica Dispensary in Tucson. They're also now in 12 states nationwide and even recently launched online ordering and home delivery to about a dozen others. So to find the fastest way to get your hands on one, go to drinkwink.com. And that is Wink spelled with a Y. Triple B in the chat says, I'll bet that Wink don't taste like sheep. It doesn't. It <laughs> no, does not. It's actually delicious. <laughs> and zero calories. So Triple B, like you are my guy. Thank you for that. <laughs> I appreciate you. Also, if you have not signed up for the BetMGM Sportsbook app yet, make sure you do that. Get ready for Suns basketball by making sure Everything on your BetMGM Sportsbook app is all set up and ready to go. And make sure you sign up using that bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live when you use that bonus code to sign up. But for our Arizona audience, you place your first bet offer and receive up to 1000 back in bonus bets if it loses. Check out the show notes for full details. And now you can listen to Shane talk about the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-522-4700, Nevada. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. one 800 9810023 Puerto Rico in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. US promotional offers not available in DC, Kansas, Nevada, New York, or Ontario. It all hurts. So we have a super chat from Manuel. Thank you so much. They said, "I will find James Jones in heaven. Go right up to him and say, quote, you should have taken Halliburton." End quote. I'm that deep cuz I believe we beat the Bucks with him. You guys uh, You know, if I get up to heaven and that's the first thing I want to do, <laughs> First of all, I'm a little worried. First of all, uh, God's going to be like, hey, you need to take all that hatred out your heart before you walk through these gates. Okay. It's not okay. It's not, no, no. You need to let that shit go. Okay. Okay. To be fair, though, I feel like however you feel about heaven or whatever, I feel like you should be allowed to have all the answers. You should allow, you should be allowed to be like, yo, but what if we did do this? Would yeah, it have worked out on. differently? I, I agree, but that's only the fair. The first thing you want to do is go confront yeah. James Jones. Yeah. Like, I, I got a list of people I'd like to see again yeah. if that's possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, hey, where's Bob? Where's Dan? Hey, you guys wait. Hey, I got to go fight hey, James Jones. I mean, like, no, like, no. Well, hey, listen. Hey, you. Yeah, I come mean, here. I got a question. Like, listen, well, that's the first thing? You've got eternity to hang out with all your friends, so why not? Just check some things off real quick. Oh my god! Get it out of the way. <laughs> I'm going to slap John Pax, and the first thing I do, no, no. I'm on your side, my well. No worries, I got you back. All right, guys. So this has been a conversation all over the place for the last week or so. Uh, we're talking about the greatest of all time when it comes to point guards. So, of course, we know that Steph Curry started this, uh, popped this conversation off once again because he thinks he is the greatest point guard of all time. Lots of people have taken uh, issue mm -hmm. with that. Uh, first and foremost, we'll share what Michael Jordan, who is often in GOAT conversations, had to say about it. I have to read you a text that I received this morning at 554 
a.m. Good morning, sir. Although greatest of anything is always a debate, I beg to differ on greatest point guard of all time with what you said. Magic Johnson is easily the best point guard of all time. Steph Curry is very close, but not in front of Magic. You must define point guard to really have a serious debate. Steph Curry is by far the best shooter of all time. Yes, his movement has created many shots for his teammates. He's a career 43% three-point shooter. But Magic Johnson invented the triple-double. Not true invented, but makes it more noticeable in terms of the impact on the game. It's a point guard stat, to be honest. Magic was the best. We can go on, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you get the point. By the way, Magic has five NBA championships. All right. So MJ weighed in and then our very own Eddie Johnson on Outside Shots this morning also weighed in and gave us a little bit more of how he defines this uh, point guard specific role. He's not a better point guard. Okay. He's not. He's a great shooter. He, I'm not saying he's not a better player. He can be a better player in what he does, but you're not a better point guard because you don't play it. You play two guard slash point guard. Chris Paul, point guard slash nothing. Magic, point guard slash nothing. John Stockton, point guard slash nothing. You can say you're versatile. Say you may, maybe you're the most versatile 6'2 guy. Okay, but you're not the best. Magic is the best. He averaged 11.2 assists in his career. He went to the finals nine times out of 12 years. Two of those years, one, he was hurt, and two, to HIV. He's the best winner next to Bill Russell that we've seen. Okay? All right? Is he, Bill Russell, and LeBron? They've all gone to championships, to finals consistently in their career. To me, whether you win or you lose, you're getting to the dance at the end. You're fighting. You're always there. You're a winner. And, and for me, you can't do that. And so I, I didn't understand that with Steph. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't believe he went there. You know, it's blasphemy. That's, Magic Johnson is by far the best point guard ever. Okay, so now I would like to have y'all's opinion on this. Well, first off, I'm very uncomfortable right now because for the first time ever, I'm agreeing with Michael Jordan and Eddie Johnson. And I'm a little okay. uncomfortable with that because it is magic. It's 100% magic. Magic was otherworldly at the point guard position. For me, it's all about how do you pass the rock, how do you play defense, and can you turn it on offensively when your team needs it from a point guard position. I, the, you know, Steph is the greatest shooter, I think, and I think that's a, a fair thing to say, uh, the best shooting point guard ever as well. But I just he's not the greatest point guard. Magic was far and above the better point guard, and – I'm not even sure right now Steph is the best point guard to ever play the game on his roster. Chris Paul was a better true point guard than Steph Curry has been. Steph Curry, better scorer, better in the clutch, you know, but I think that he is a lesser point guard than what Chris Paul was able to do. I mean, Chris Paul was a nine-time all-defensive player. He led the league in steals. He led the league in assists. Like, Steph is very good at shooting, hitting from deep. He has, from time to time, can pass the rock. But for his career, he's only averaging six and a half assists. To me, point guard is all about those assist numbers and how you help your teammates that way. Uh, Steph Curry is the better overall player mm-hmm. than than Chris Paul. I will go to the map for that. Uh, I just truly believe that. But, um, yeah, I would say, like, to Eddie's definition – Steph Curry is a point guard slash shooting guard. I, I, fuck the height. I don't care that he's 6'2", 6'3", whatever. Like, and I think that's the reason why people want to put him into the point guard category. It's that he's not like an NBA two guard, you know, measurable kind of guy, right? He's not 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", shooting from the wing. He's 6'2", but he's the best shooter we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. That's not the argument, though. The argument is who's the best point guard? And I will tell you this. There was a point where Gilbert Arenas, and, and we talked about on the show, where um, Gilbert Arenas said 
When you walk into gyms nowadays, you see kids trying to emulate Steph Curry by pulling up, which is true. But he was basically saying like that has that's never happened before. And I call absolute bullshit on that because ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be like Mike, uh, like Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson. Like I literally developed a sweeping hook shot because I saw Magic Johnson against the Celtics in the finals come with that sweeping hook shot to win the game. Like Magic Johnson's no look passes were like that's Magic Johnson and Larry Bird at the time that they came about brought so many eyeballs to the game because of their style and and their and, and the way they were competitive. Like you can't touch them. You can't touch them. And then Michael Jordan just took what they built and and expanded on it. Like I get that Steve Steph Curry has has changed the game and he has, but it, it's it's not like Magic Johnson was just some scrub. Magic Johnson was a six foot nine point guard, which is something that the the league hadn't really seen to his his abilities quite yet. And he could dominate any which way. He dominated the NBA Finals by playing center for a game because the captain yeah. went down and sprained his ankle. That's what like, the hook shot was. Exactly. And like he he had 41 points in that game to beat the Sixers, the Dr. J-led Sixers. Like Magic Johnson is straight up the greatest point guard I've ever seen. Like point blank. Also, when you look at his like career stats, it does kind of. I mean, I think if you were watching his career pretty closely, it wouldn't surprise you. But I think for maybe some younger people who didn't get to watch it like that, it could be something that's like, oh, maybe I do need to look into this a little bit more. He his career stats, right? Points, 19.5 rebounds, 7.2 assists, 11.2 shot, 52 percent from the field, 30 percent from three, 84.8 percent from the charity stripe. And when you look at those triple doubles that MJ brought up, 138 career triple doubles, which blew my mind because I was like, well, let me just see. Let me compare a couple things here, right? Jokic has 121. You look at Steve Nash, three. I think Chris Paul had like four or five. And Steph Curry, I think, was in single digits, too, I want to say. Look, Steph. Like, it's just crazy when you really look at it. From a numbers standpoint, too. And Steph Curry can't be the greatest point guard of all time when he's never led the league in assists. Oh, my It's God. so predicated. Oh, 13 that, for Steph Curry. That position is so predicated on assists and dish, dishing the ball. Uh, real quick. What's happening? Zypher, I love you, and I love the fact that you're in our chat. Um, I, and I cannot emphasize this enough. Hell no. Okay, read the question okay, first. I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I just, I was just, I, I'm taken back a little bit. Okay. So, Zypher uh, said in the chat, is Jokic not a modern day version of magic? And my answer to you is absolutely the fuck not. Um, and the reason why is because Magic Johnson basically single handedly um, created the fast break to a point of beauty. Like, mm-hmm. Like guys were were itching to get a lane when they would get a defensive rebound because they knew Magic was going to find them for a dunk or a layup or an easy shot. Like Jokic is a great player, don't get me wrong, and he runs point from time to time for his Nuggets team most of the time. To be honest with you, but nobody, nobody did what Magic did. Like no. I mean, taking the ball off the rim, going no look passing. Like <clears throat> there's a flair to what what Magic did as well that I feel like sometimes we kind of just skate right by Jokic also gets to his first NBA finals this year okay mm-hmm. magic did that in his rookie season you know what I mean and so on and so forth like like EJ said nine out of 12 years he went to the NBA finals he won five championships and he was also one of the most clutch players to ever play this game not clutch just by scoring too he would make fucking passes that you wouldn't even see coming uh because he was so amazing like again like I think sometimes we we forget about the magnitude of some of these players because time has passed. Mm-hmm. But Magic Johnson, to this day, is one of the best point guards of all time, the best point guard of all time. He's the reason why I wore number 32. Tr- full transparency. You think that doesn't hurt me as a Suns fan? <laughs> but I love Magic Johnson that much. Like, I tried to emulate his passes and do all the things he did. Then I stopped growing at six foot tall, and I was like, <laughs> damn it. I wanted to be but just I like Magic. I even wore that, the knee pads and I everything. I was an old ass little kid. There was there was fluidity to his game too. Like it was so smooth. There were, everything he did felt like that old saying that basketball is poetry in motion. That was magic. And people forget 
The NBA Finals were on tape delay yeah. when Magic Johnson came into this game. If it's not for him and Bird, this game might not exist in the way we know it because they saved the NBA and made it interesting again and, and put this sport on the map again in a country where baseball was one, football was two, and the NBA was a far distant third at that point. Okay. I'm just going to disclaimer this. We're, we're going to... Before you do that, okay. can I just say one more thing yes. about Magic? Yes. Um, again, I didn't realize we were going to go into a Magic-like show, but here we are. Well, listen, Delusion. it's not often you get to talk about your favorite player. So, so, like, one of the things that also made that Magic was, Magic... You guys. <laughs> you didn't get it? I did, but it just took a second. Um, I was on a delay, okay? One, one of the great things, uh, much like the NBA Finals games back in the day. Um, so one of the great things about Magic 2 was oh, like his no. flair for the dramatic. And I think some of the greats in NBA history have this thing about them where they seemingly always come through in the clutch or they do something that just makes you walk away from the game like, damn. Like, Theatrical you know what I mean? Almost. Steph Curry's got it. In in abundance, for sure. Kevin Durant's got it. Uh, LeBron's got it. Like, the greats of all time have that. Magic Johnson literally came out uh, in 92. Uh, was it? 90, yeah, it was 92. And said that, you know, he had the HIV virus and didn't play. And then he got voted into the All-Star game. And that All-Star game, uh, at the end of that game, he hits two threes back-to-back. -back, and one of them is against Isaiah Thomas, who was, like, his best friend. And... Like everybody wanted him to do that. They, everybody wanted him to hit that shot. And he stepped back and he hit a three. And it was just like, it's, it's magic. It's literally magic right before your eyes. Like it's, it's beautiful. And that's, that's the thing about the great players. Like they just had this thing about them. And Magic Johnson was one of the guys that like, it didn't matter who you loved to watch. Magic Johnson made you watch every single game and take something away from that game in awe of what he could do on the court. And I think one of the things that really... And he had fun. I mean, how much did he mean to the game? Charles Barkley, the year that uh, that Magic stepped away from the game because of HIV, changed his number to 32 from 34 that year to honor him. Like, what? what nobody... That, that Magic was just amazing. Uh, Triple B, that All-Star game was not in Phoenix. It was in Orlando. Okay. I have a couple questions, but... It I'm not trying to like piss off like basketball purists or anything of that sort. So if you feel some type of way first, okay. OGs, then we can have this conversation. Okay? okay. And also OGs right now is giving PHNX listeners the deal of a lifetime. Things just got a whole lot sweeter. Thanks to our friends over at OGs brands right now through August 31st, you can get 25% off 100 milligram bags of the fruits and the creams at all of the Arizona The Flower Shop locations. All you have to do is go to theflowershopusa.com, place an online order, and use the discount code PHNX at checkout, and you'll get that 25% off those 100 milligram bags. That's right. It's super simple. You just go online. The deal is exclusive for all of you guys. So again, that discount code is PHNX at theflowershopusa.com, and online orders, and then you pick up at the location that is nearest to you. Ooh. So one more time, discount code PHNX, active until August 31st. So make sure you get out there and get to flavoring life. What are you we got a little about? bit of breaking news. What's the thanks to, our guys, thanks to our guy in the chat for giving us the heads up. But uh, who was it that gave us the heads up on that? Hey. Somebody said breaking news. Yeah, but, yeah. but Jay Crossover. Anyway, uh, Jamal Crawford just tweeted, just got word that superstar Devin Booker will be in the building for the J crossover on Saturday. Oh, nice. Let's go. I wonder if he's going to play in the program or is he just going to hang mean, out I mean, I would think that he's going to play. I'd imagine so. Usually they don't just say, I'm going to show up just to show up. Usually they play. That's your guy, right? Jamal Crawford? I love Jamal Crawford. Yeah. He's my favorite by far. Like, I know that's crazy, but he is... <laughs> I love Jamal. Anyway, uh, Illegal Pete's also is your go-to spot this summer. You can stop by for happy hour from 3 to 8 p.m. every single day at all 12 locations. Illegal Pete's is the go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer, and they have been for 28 years. So if you have not checked out Illegal Pete's, we highly recommend it. They have fantastic bowls. They've got tacos, salads, burritos, nachos, queso, and, of course, a full bar where you can get custom cocktails, beers, and a whole bunch of mouth-watering and delicious food and drinks. So make sure you check them out. So I just have some questions here because, you know, all of this conversation is about a lot of it hinges on true point guards, right? Eddie was like, you're a point guard slash nothing. 
point guard slash nothing. And a lot of the time when we're talking about Steph specifically, everyone's like, well, you're not a true point guard. You're an unconventional point guard. We've had a lot of conversations about point guards this summer because we're obviously fans of the Phoenix Suns and we don't have a quote unquote true point guard either. But my question is, is because even MJ in his thing said, you must define point guard to really have this debate. Mm -hmm. At what point in time does the fact that we're moving more and more into positionless basketball and we've got unconventional players? I mean, Jokic was brought up in the chat. There are a lot of things that Jokic does that you could say is what a point guard does. I think mm -hmm. back in 2019, Jokic himself was saying, I'm a point guard stuck in a center's body. Mm -hmm. Like, at what point can we no longer have these type of debates because things have changed so drastically? And as a basketball purist, you want to hold on to that true point guard, that true position. What do we do moving forward? How do we acknowledge the guys like Steph and Jokic and whomever else we want to put in this bucket who maybe don't fit in that traditional goat debate criteria how do we adjust from there i don't know if there i mean the adjustment is is that instead of comparing positions you're just comparing comparing players and their effectiveness i think that's that's where this is all heading uh to be honest with you because you're right like you know we were kind of breaking down like the point guards in the nba right now and like there's not a lot of them that are strictly just a pure point guard um, a lot of them are can do a little bit of both, uh, you know. Like, uh, listen, uh, Devin Booker could could be the point for fifty six percent of the possessions this year, but nobody's going to sit there and say, "Oh, Devin Booker's a point guard," like because he's not. He's a he's a he's a two guard that can also play point guard. So it's a little bit of both, and that that's what the hybrid is kind of doing now in the league. Guys that can do multiple things, and I will also say this. This is where, like, and EJ, EJ does not, he's not a fan of, like, this position as basketball. But what's happened over the course of the last 20 to 30 years is that coaches used to pigeonhole guys because of size mm -hmm. and, and ability into certain positions on the court. And so, like, oh, if you were, like, for me, I, I was six foot tall when I was in seventh grade. So what fucking position do you think I was playing? Center. You fucking put your hands up. power forward or center the entire time. But when I got to high school, I ended up just kind of capping out at six two and a half. Like, well, then everybody else kind of caught up a little bit, and some of them even passed me. So I was able to kind of go back to a guard position, which was my better position. So like that used to happen back in the day. Like they just would not ever encourage big guys to dribble and handle the ball. Like they like now you have to. If you're a big guy that can't dribble, man, it is going to be very, very hard. We're we're seeing it right now with DA as we speak. DA's ability could be so much better if he can handle the ball, but he's limited in that re regard, so he can't do and be as effective as people want him to be. And so there's there's something about the development of the game that I think uh, has changed. Point guards are still always going to be point guards at, at certain levels, but honestly, the AU game, and if you talk to any high school coach in the Valley – like they'll they'll say like a lot of players like he's, even the primetime players some of them aren't even playing high school basketball because they just want to play club and they want to play AAU and they want to get seen at these tournaments and all this other stuff so there's a blending of 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 the game uh, that's kind of taken away from the traditional sense in high school and and manifesting itself in different ways and it's just one of those things where guys are not brought up to have one specific skill set or a couple. Uh, based on a position, they're not groomed that way where they used to be groomed back in the day like that. Now it's like you got to do a little bit of everything and then hopefully you have one discernible skill set that is just so elite that it will take you to the next level, whatever that level will be, college or pro. So I think that's why we're seeing the positionless basketball talk because these guys have a lot of things that cross over from position to position and you can't really pigeonhole them into one specific thing anymore. Yeah, look, I think the debate evolves into who's the best shooter, who's the best passer, rebounder, et cetera, more in in these buckets of statistical categories rather than position. But for me, at some point, if some guy who plays like a traditional point guard comes out 
and he changes the game again, you know, then I think you'll see a shift back towards that. Everything's cyclical in sports, and it's it, you know it's cliche, but it, every one of these leagues is a copycat league. They see what's working, they go that direction. So then somebody will go in a slightly different direction because all of a sudden they got this generational talent, and the league tries to follow that. I think if you find if if some kid comes out with a, a traditional point guard set. A set of skills that lights the league on fire, the point guard position will be back. Yeah. You know, in football, we've seen it kind of with a, re- a resurgence of the fullback in the game that had gone away forever. These things just continually yeah. circulate and go around and around. Even early 2000s, we saw the boom of the Steph Marbury, Steve Francis, guys like that, that very much were score first, didn't do that. Everybody thought this is the future of the game, then it shifted back because Nash took it back over as a traditional point guard. Things like that happen. So I think we'll see this ebb and flow throughout the years. Right now in positionless basketball, I think you get more into the debate of how do you pass the ball? Who shoots best? Those kind of things. But do you think that's as fun of a conversation? Because that's not something yeah. that we have. Like shooter, yes, right? I feel like that that's one that's kind of circulated for a little while, but when it comes to these goat debates, is that's not what we we tend to just turn to. Look, it's, it's usually so, across the board, right? Yeah. So, do you feel like you lose something as a fan to not be able to have those type of debates? Not really. Not really. No. I mean, I could debate anything. Like it, it's fun to talk about just ball in general and 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 kind of uh, think you know hypoth- hypothetically hypothetically. Yeah, sure. Uh, and was, yeah, there you go. Yeah, was too, that was too complex a word for me to say. Uh, to uh, you know, talk about those things and compare them. Like I think you can compare anything. Also, real quick, Jay in the chat earlier, um, he said, you know, uh, I hate how big dudes don't want to go in the post now. LOL. When playing pickup ball. Okay, so this is a great point. Okay, not only have 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 players changed and systems changed. But also the game and how it's being officiated. Back in the day, you know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, like, let you fucking flop in a game. Like, dude, your teammates are beating your ass. Like, that's not happening. Like, but now, you know, the minute you, you give anybody a little chicken wing, they're on the ground, they're in the fucking upper deck because they just got you know, uh, taken out. Like it's just, it's different. So the physicality in the game is nowhere near as, as, as intense as it used to be. So big guys, you know, instead of taking those charges because they, they basically have no room to operate down low unless they just catch it and turn and make a move. Why do you think they're extending themselves out to the perimeter? Because hell, I know if I just pull up for a jumper, I'm not going to get an offensive charge. You know what I mean? So the game has been officiated a little bit differently, and and they've been rewarding the flops to a certain degree, and guys don't want to be as physical as they once were because they're going to get taken out of games, they lose money on their paycheck because their elbow just happened to fly to somebody's face when they were down low in the post. When I was coming up in high school, and EJ could tell you this too because we talked about it, like one of the things, if you got a rebound, and and it, you were taught to have your elbows up mm-hmm. because if a little guard came through, you get them. Like that's exactly how you got to teach them a lesson. Don't let them reach in on you. Now, if you swing that elbow, you're ejected out of the game or you're suspended or whatever, right? Or you're fined even worse. Like, so it, the game has changed and the way it's been officiated has changed. So the conversation thus has changed because the whole system has changed. So. I do think that there's ebbs and flows that like they're going to try and you know pun- penalize flopping again. I hope it goes back. There's a happy medium there that I feel like is there um, that we just completely went right past uh, for the quote unquote betterment of the game. But everything became perimeter oriented. You got teams shooting like 50, 60 threes in a game, and I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm like, all right, this isn't a three point contest, is it? You know, what I mean, it's it's kind of boring to watch sometimes. See, and that's that's like the bigger side of this conversation too because I feel like that gets brought up in a lot of these debates too it's like oh well back in the day x y and z was so much better than it is now but then you could on the flip side if like if this is the era of basketball that you that made you fall in love with the sport you could say well x y and z on this side sounds like it's so much greater than it was back in the day too and when you have these debates people bring that up constantly they're like well try and do that back in the 80s or whatever and it's Mm. like yeah but that's not the same sport even at this point debates are so 
tough to even figure figure out too because you can look at the point guard list and you go well bob Cousy dominated the game yeah but what was the era how do how do you even compare that it's it's really difficult to your point with the big men again somebody with a similar skill set to shack comes into the game you're damn right that there's going to be post play again because you're gonna have to figure out how to stop that guy a lot of changes that that happen with this uh kenny rudd Perfect example. The Barkley elbow throws yep. after rebound. He would literally get a rebound and just, you know, like yep. clear out a whole like zone around him. Like, Excuse me, pardon me. Come yeah, through. like you did not want the smoke in that. What was in his that. nickname again? The, the Round, round Mounder mound Rebound. You, 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 uh, used to kind of emulate magic. I was throwing those bows like Barkley when I got a rebound. So I, I get that. But uh, your other question in terms of can do these debates become Lesson. No, if you can argue about something, yeah. there's always going to be a place for it. How many debates Doesn't do we have matter. every day, Lindsay? Yeah, I mean, like, and we don't wrong. even talk about this. We freaking <laughs> argued about bread, for God's sakes. Like, this is fair. It, debates will always be there regardless of the parameters this of is true. who's I great. Just, sometimes I feel like it's tough with sports because things change so much from generation to generation, and it feels like you're splitting hairs, and then you get – you kind of get territorial or defensive a little bit when it's like your generation at times where you're like, well, I loved what I got to grow up with. And so did other people from back in the day. So then it just, I don't know, sometimes it just feels icky to an extent because it's like, I feel like you're shitting on my guys and I don't love it. But I love it because like we're having a basketball's conversation. Honestly, like this is probably my funnest show uh, in a while because like we're like talking about basketball yes. and we're not talking about you know hypotheticals with this team and what's going on like we're talking about ball and how it's changed and how we compare players from different generations and how awesome that is because basketball is like the best sport ever like it's it's beautiful and like that's why we love it so much and even though it's changed we still have that same passion for it and to break it down and figure out like oh if we put this person against this person what would it look like it's the same thing in boxing yeah you know what i mean like we how many times have we ever heard like all oh, man, what would it have been like to see Muhammad Ali against Mike Tyson? You know what I mean? Like those comparisons are always there because we want we want to know what greatness would have looked like against other greatness. Yeah, and that so, fight makes no sense. That would be the weirdest fight because styles make the make the match. That's a weird matchup in boxing. But for uh, you know, you look at it and I the other thing is generational wise, if Barkley had the nutritionists and the workout regimen that this era has, he's different in that way too. Like that's why it's so tough. These guys have all sorts of recovery things now and they're they're sleeping in hyperbolic chambers. Mm-hmm. Barkley and Jordan were out drinking till 4 a.m. Like <laughs> how do you compare Getting any of that of shit? Pizza. You know? Like <laughs> so. I don't know. I I enjoy this. I just I think what I'm so nervous of is growing up and being like the old man yelling at the youths. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't I don't want it to ever turn into like that, I suppose. I want to be able to appreciate all the different aspects and how things are changing. Well, and I think today's game is in some respects more exciting than than it was at times. Uh, you know, with those, you know, when you could get really physical, those things turned into brawls. At some point, it wasn't basketball there either. You were talking about three-point contests. Well, I don't want to watch a boxing match break out <laughs> in my NBA game either. So yeah. every once in a while, I, like, I, I, I get that. But, like, again, there's an, another portion of this where I feel like sometimes I feel like we're watching a watered-down version of emotion. And, I, 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 you know, like I see Book and Luca, you know, kind of going at it a little bit. Every now and then I want to see those motherfuckers face to face or maybe grab each other on the jersey and be like, dude, I don't fuck with you. <laughs> like, I want to see that from time to time. Like, that that makes me, like, even more passionate and even more like, fuck that dude up. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to feel that, you know. And and right now, like, we, we kind of got this, like, oh, don't look at him the wrong way. Are you going to get a team? Don't like, even oh, celebrate. Oh, my God. Like, that's just sometimes I just don't need that. But I, I do get what you're saying. Um, about, but, about but I think that's like less that. about the athletes and it more and more when you guys are talking about how the game is officiated. Yeah. Like, because I feel like if the officials allowed for a little bit more of that, you would totally get it from today's athletes just as much as you would have back in the day. It's the officials cut that off 
Right well, away. Well, guess who fucked that up? Nip that right in the butt. Freaking uh, Ron Artest running into the crowd. Like that was that's the delineation point where the game took a chain, you know, took a shift, and you no longer were going to see that. I would love to see Book and and Luca get toe to toe and jaw each other. I just don't need to see him throw a haymaker like Bill Lambeer used. What I about mean, a chair? Mean, I mean, what about a chair? Like you mean to tell me? Oh man, you you just know this. This would have happened. If if this was, and this is the only time I'll go back to the 80s or the 90s, if this was the 80s or the 90s and, and Jokic did what he did to campaign, not not yeah, not uh, to Matt Ishbia, what he did to campaign, you don't think we're clearing the, the benches? Oh, no, that would definitely oh, be. We're clearing the benches. Like, dude's well, got to go. What about what he did to one of, what, what Morris brother was it when he shoved him in the back? That would have done oh, it too. Yeah, Jokic to, to yeah. Morris. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind of well, had it coming to him. But, but still, I feel like it would have still happened. You want to play this game, go back to, you know, the Robert Ory checking Steve Nash into the boards. Yeah, yep. uh, Amari and Boris Dio take one step off. They're suspended. Back in the 80s, they all go out and everybody's fighting and nobody gets suspended. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there, there's there a lot of There has to be a line. It's and, just how far is too far yeah, when yeah, you move that doing. line forward. Um, all right, so we did get a super chat from Bobby Cox. Thank Damn. you so much, Bobby. Sent us 20 bucks and said, Hi, Lindsay, Saul, and Espo. Sorry I wasn't able to come out last month to meet y'all at Four Peaks. Hopefully this month or September. Lindsay, can you let me know when y'all will be at Four Peaks so uh, I can come meet y'all? Thank you. Yeah, we'll do it. Uh, I actually think the better way is when we do our meetups at one of the games coming up, when we do a takeover. Yes. That's a lot of fun. You can come out. You can catch a game with us. We'll uh, we'll hit a bar before, have some food, have some drinks. You have a great time. I think that's I think that's the best way to come meet. So, but also because we're not doing anything at Four Peaks anymore, so there's that. Yeah. So, so we're currently up, working we <laughs> on figuring out what our meet and greets and all of our hangouts are going to look like for this upcoming season. So as Espo mentioned, we're going to have takeovers where we. Meet up at a bar, have some food, have some beverages, go to the game together. We're also going to do watch-alongs probably out at BetMGM at times and a few other places. I know last year we had a couple out at Dobson Ranch Golf Course. So we're still currently finalizing all of those. But as soon as we have them fully uh, set in stone, we will absolutely let you guys know because, of course, it's not nearly as fun if you guys don't come. And also you can check out gophnx.com and go to the events tab and if you click on the events you can go month to month and see what events we got going on for the month as well so that'll help you out yes. if you're ever curious and then also just a quick reminder that our friends over at shady rays are giving out the best deal of the season exclusively to you if you go to shadyrays.com and use the code phnx you're going to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. This is an opportunity for you to try the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people, but get a nice deal on top of that. Shady Rays, we all love our Shady Rays here at PHNX. They make premium polarized sunglasses. They are an independent sunglass company, and the uh, glasses that they make are world-class products, so make sure you guys check them out. <laughs> to round out the point guard situation, uh, our... There are any sons that belong within the conversation, and I think I'll open this up to like conventional when we're talking point guards, and maybe even unconventional, since uh, we just had a huge conversation about it. I I think there's three. Okay. That aren't quite to that obviously the level of magic and and in that top two or so, but Jason Kidd, uh, who was here for a cup of coffee. In Phoenix, 10-time All-Star, 6-time All-NBA, 9-time All-Defensive uh, team, and a 5-time assist leader. Uh, definitely should be in that conversation. Chris Paul, we know uh, all his stats over the years, uh, you know, and again, a 5-time assist leader. And we talk about Steph Curry changing the game, right? But I don't think Steve Nash gets enough credit for changing the game and making it possible for the style that Steph Curry came into the league with and succeeded with uh, kind of paving the path for that Steve Nash in seven seconds or less, what he was able to do there. The two MVPs led the league again, five times uh, in assists. What he was able to do with the art of passing, I think should put him in the conversation. Now Steph better than him, I, I think uh, overall, but I think those three guys deserve part. My of it. only caveat to that is that Steve Nash was really good in Dallas 
Um, but he wasn't as effective because he didn't run that system. And I think the mm-hmm. system gets as much credit uh, or it gets it gets a percentage of the credit um, because of, of the seven seconds or less because D'Antoni's system was what enabled Steve Nash to be able to do the things he did. Now, after, after the system was kind of gone and they kind of slowed things down a little bit, Steve Nash was still a great player, don't get me wrong, but I think the seven seconds or less sons are just as much, uh, you know, D'Antoni trusting Steve Nash to be able to do everything that he needed to do out there in the system as much as it was Steve Nash taking advantage of it. I think it was a nice combination of both, and that's why it was awesome. I'd argue that Steve Nash was the system because when you ever saw any other point guard try to run it, it never worked. It was not Steve Nash was a had a particular set of skills. I sound like I'm in Taken now, Liam Neeson, but <laughs> Steve Nash had a particular set of skills that that entire offense was predicated on and built around. And what he was able to do uh, and what that team was able to do was because of Steve Nash. Sure, Mike D'Antoni gave him the playground to go do it and said, this is on you. But Steve Nash was was the heart, soul, and engine of seven seconds or less. And that's why Mike D'Antoni has not seen success anywhere else he's gone. Very true, very true. But again, like if we have Phil Jackson in here running with Steve Nash, you're not seeing the same shit. You're just not. Well, no, because... It's the triangle offense, and then that's and it's nothing better. No, like, I, so I, that's why I say like I understand like neither D'Antoni didn't have success. I mean, he did in in Houston, but in a different way. Um, and Steve Nash be, not being on the court, it, it wasn't as effective. But I think the two, the marriage of the two at the right time was really what made that all sing as opposed to one or the other. I don't think that discredits either of them no, no, in, no, in any no. way either. But couldn't you argue the same thing for Steph? Because Steph with Mark Jackson, not the same guy as Steph with Steve Kerr. Well, I also... Not, St- Steph was dropping 50s in the garden with Mark Jackson trying to hold him back. Like, Steph, Steph was coming up. Now, I will say this. Mark Jackson left right when Steph was really going to, like, take off. But Steph was already cooking before before uh, Steve Kerr took over because, again, like, fucking Steph was at the garden dropping 55 like nothing. And I was just like, that's that dude. Yeah, like, he's coming up. Like you said, Nash in, in Dallas wasn't a, a, he a wasn't schlub. A he was, yeah, he yeah, was an sure. all-star in Dallas uh, as well. So, again, this is all splitting hairs, something you can't For figure sure. out. The most interesting thing would have been, like we talked about, when I mentioned Earl Clark, was if Nash, Nash's understudy was Steph Curry, what does that turn into? Like, yeah. what what beautiful basketball does that become? Or does Steph not become this guy because he's stuck behind Nash? And there, there's so many what ifs in this game of basketball. Or could that it could have been even everything. more because he yeah. had Nash there to help him yeah. along? I, I would say in this debate, like, First of all, I don't think any any Suns point guard is in the top three, no. um, maybe not even top five. Yeah. Um, it's 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 kind of hard. It's be- a pretty stacked competition. Yeah, though. because you're talking about guys that have won multiple championships in that in that upper echelon, have won multiple MVPs, have been like highly successful. Like that's so it's a little bit different. Jason Kidd on paper is probably the closest, but as a Phoenix Sun, he's not. No, uh, it would be Steve Nash a million percent. But Steve Nash, you know, even though he has two MVPs, he doesn't have the championship. And the championship is forever going to hold him back from the premier of the premier in this league. You have to win a championship to be considered one of the top players at your position. And I think Steve Nash is definitely, a, you know, he's hovering around that five mark. But I wouldn't put him I wouldn't put him up there. You know, it's crazy. I was looking at a bunch of rankings before we did this. And in most of them, the Suns had five guys who played point guard for them in the top 25 yeah. all time. Uh, Kid, uh, Chris Paul, Steve Nash, Jay, or excuse me, uh, Kevin, Kevin Johnson, Johnson, and Gail Goodrich. Mm, uh, Gail five, Goodrich. five guys that played point guard in the city that were in the top 25 all time. That speaks volumes to how important that position is and why I think this year so many fans are a little like Hesitant. positionless basketball mm-hmm. because we've always seen – Except for the dark days, really great. Point. Back when we had like eighty-two uh, point well, guards on our team, look, you, you know, and you go, none of them can dribble. Yeah. You go from nineteen. That was fun. You go from nineteen sixty-nine 
through basically when Goran Dragic and Eric Bledsoe and all that blew up, you you had good, if not great, point guard play every step of the way, Mm -hmm. and then you bottomed out with G-leaguers. So I can see why there's a little bit of fear with the group. I get it. All right, guys, that'll do it for us today. That was fun. Thank that you guys was. for joining us for the conversation. Um, as a reminder, I'm out all next week. We have a special guest tomorrow. Oh, you, oh, you do. Oh, we do. Wow. And it ain't Gerald. Oh, you guys How are going to be I really feel like you guys are about to be shocked as to who's coming through yes. these doors. In, <laughs> in that seat or this, I don't know, one of the two seats. One of the two seats. Uh, this individual um, will be But here. don't worry because Gerald will be back next week. So you're going to have at least three pieces of the puzzle for majority of the the time. You don't have to worry. Hey, listen, uh, when when mom and dad are gone, the kids are going to play. That's what we do. Break out the wicked OG. I don't know how how we ended up being the kids, but I'll take it. I know, right? So surprised. Because usually mom and dad like to kill the fun. Oh, really? (laughs) Nerds. Bro, I literally brought a joke and you didn't even laugh at it. That was nerdy Man, jokes. That, that was on, a dude. good that joke. Was sheet. That, that joke was sheet. Yes. Literally, the two children in the office laughed at it. The youngins, mm. the youths. They were laughing at how bad it was. No, they thought it was yeah. cute. It was a sympathy laugh. It was not. I <laughs> they was. Were like, Emma's might have been. Sean's was not. <laughs> anyway. Thank uh, just you guys. drop me off at the corner and let me walk to school. Gosh, Gosh, Mom. <laughs> You're so embarrassing. Get out of my room. <laughs> <laughs> Go on vacation already, won't you? <laughs> well, now I'm having fun. I just want to like stall this out for 10 more minutes. Just kidding. You can follow the show on Twitter at PHNX underscore Suns. You can follow me at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. And of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. Lindsay, go get the car. It's packed and ready to go to the airport. Ahoy, hoy. Tell the Phoenix Metro. Megas in control and he ain't never gonna let go. PHNX though. Lindsay, Gerald, Espo. Saul, pass the ball. We here to turn up the tempo. Got to understand me. I've always wrecked the family. Rally in the valley like Dan. Cheating.